Hello, creative friends. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Living Creatively with your hosts, Angela Dalton. And Monica Parks. This is the podcast where we discuss topics about finding, nurturing, and protecting your creative spirit and creativity. I'm going <laughs> to switch that this week because, girl, that's what came out. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need you to say it with your chest in. You sound a little doubtful. <laughs> That's what y'all are getting today. Oh, okay. Well, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Friends, we have we have been discussing catching up before all this. So yes. this is the Angela and Monica that you get today. <laughs> <laughs> oh girl, how are you doing? How are I you? am doing really good. I'm doing really good. I Good. am looking forward to the fall, even though the fall looks like it's coming rather quicker than it normally would. Um, but I'm still <laughs> looking forward to the fall in the wintertime. It's sweater season, boot season. I'm ready. Oh, my God. I, I, I'm like, I don't even remember what that looks like. It is like <laughs> Hades here in California. <laughs> I don't know what is going on. Well, yeah, because the fall is like the Bay Area summertime. Right. Exactly. Is that what we're calling it? Summertime? Because it feels like hell. Right? <laughs> it's like, girl, we had to go. Well, I'll tell you about that later. But anyways, it's hot, it's hot here in California. <laughs> Almost forgot we recorded. We were I did. Right I did. into casual conversation. <laughs> <laughs> seriously that is that is how i've been this week i'm just like oh we doing something okay i don't know well i'm just here let's have fun i don't right, know or let's right. not have fun go do something else leave me the f alone right um, that's how i have been this week oh goodness it is it has been just a wild time i don't know mm-hmm. across the country it's a wild mm-hmm. time Mm-hmm. We are all just trying to figure it out. Um, yeah, like here we are, which kind of leads into our topic that we wanted to discuss today, girl, mm-hmm. which is woo, that comparison, that mm-hmm. comparison, evil comparison. That's worse mm-hmm. than like, I don't know what I don't know what that's worse than, but it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I don't know anything that can come good out of comparing yourself with somebody else. It's, I mean, it is like the thing that can just take you out at the knees. You can be feeling mm-hmm. so good about yourself at one mm-hmm. minute and then one another second, someone's like, well, you know, did you see this? Which is like mm-hmm. similar to something you're doing. Or did you mm-hmm. see this person mm-hmm. similar to what you're, and all of a sudden you don't even know who you are anymore. And you're just mm-hmm. like, what am I, what am I doing here? Who am I? Right, right. <laughs> Why am I doing this? Can I do this? Can Should I, I be doing this? <laughs> That All comparison is hard, is hard. Mm-hmm. So that is what we want to talk to talk about today. Because I think, um, yeah, I, I know we both have been going through it. Mm-hmm. I know everybody's been going through it. And especially now, like, you know, we've got this big, great resignation that's happening across the nation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> A.K.A. also me. Right? <laughs> big pivot energy. <laughs> And so I know like lots of people are out there like looking at what they want to do, what makes them feel mm-hmm. good, what makes them feel mm-hmm. whole. But at the same time, we got a whole bunch of other people out here t- talking about don't deserve to do it, can't do mm-hmm. it, you know, mm-hmm. the whole crap barreling effect. Mm-hmm. So I want to start with you, Monica, because I know like with jewelry, that is, whew, that's a hard one because mm-hmm. there is, you know, there's so many designers out mm-hmm. there and there's so many different styles and and mm-hmm. and um and especially when it comes to selling to people mm-hmm. right that yeah. that's the hard part the selling to people so mm-hmm. i want to talk a little bit about like i want to ask you like have you can you give me like a a, a situation or an, a time experience that you've had this has happened to you yeah i mean like there's for me with comparison i feel like it hits like three different areas for me and they either will all tag team me at one time or they will take their turn and just rotate and be like, well, what about this? Why aren't you doing it like this? Mm-hmm. And for for me, one of them, and I, I feel like this time around is the one that I really conquered the most. And that was the method in which I co- create because I would get so wrapped up in 
trying to learn how other people are creating. What are the methods that they're using? Um, You know, what are the tools that they're using? What is the process? What are their materials? And I was like that. I I had to figure out what was working for me. Like Mm -hmm. I could see in my head, I would get caught up. Like, am I using, you know, this tool the way that I'm supposed to be using it? And I'm like, you know what? I don't know, but it's getting the job done. I mean, like (laughs) we're getting the final results that we're supposed to be getting. And then, you know, I'll think about the process and I'm like, you know, in my head, I'm like, okay, if I show this on social media, is there going to be somebody who's going to say, well, actually you're supposed to dip this first and then do it this way and then do it that way. And I'm like, yeah, but this is the way that I know how to do it. You know, this is what works for me. And this is the way that I can understand as far as the process so that I can come out with, you know, my finished product. And then also I had a big one with like materials because, you know, people were like, well, ah, you know, I think brass and copper, you know, they're really cute, but, you know, I don't really wear brass and I don't really wear mm-hmm. copper and, you know, I only wear gold or I only wear silver and that's perfectly fine, but it made me feel like as if my jewelry was less than because it's not made out of gold and silver. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, there is a whole industry of costume jewelry that you have no idea what the metal is. Like, (laughs) you don't know what that is. You're putting and you go and getting stuff from Target. You're getting it from H&M. You're getting it from Macy's. If it's not gold and silver, you don't know what that metal is. It's probably exactly what I'm giving you. But I'm being upfront about it. And then so I had to really stop and think, okay, what are the methods that make me feel good? What are the things that make me feel comfortable in my process of creating? And what do I see beauty in? I love copper. I love the way it looks with certain stones. It gives me a rose gold. If I heat it a certain way, it can give me a rose gold appearance. I love using brass because I love the fact that it gives me the look of gold. And it's in my budget. I am creating according to what I can create. I use gold here and there for my more delicate pieces, but my big statement pieces, I just really like using metals. And I also had to remember what were the things that inspire me and what inspires me is different metals. I love looking at how different metals look, not just gold and silver. Everybody mm-hmm. does gold and silver. I like the look of what other metals look like once you heat them and what you um, you patina them and you antique them and it gives another style aesthetic to the jewelry piece. And I like being able to look at that. So for me, it is more important for me to be able to create and design according to what I feel is what is beautiful and know that there are people out there who will also look and see the beauty that is in it. Now, the thing that I did also do is that I spent time researching the reasons why people don't like these items and using and figuring out what can I do to kind of negate that. So for instance, a lot of people don't like copper, not because they don't like the look of copper, because when copper, if you sweat in copper, it can turn, it can react with your skin and turn it a certain color. Um, Some people don't like when brass tarnished. I love the tarnishing brass, but some people don't like it. They like it to stay gold. So I have been working with different coatings methods of being able to coat my jewelry so that it stays in the um, tone that I give it to you in, but also it protects it from it antiquing any further, or it slows down at least the process of antiquing and that it's a protective coat so that there's not a reaction when you wear it. So those are the ways that I were, was able to stop the mental trailer of going down the rabbit hole of how my methods might be perceived as less than because I don't want to go completely wholeheartedly into what is the traditional considered lux because I'm like, well, that's not me and being okay with that. And not just being okay with that, seeing the beauty and saying it's just as good. I'm not trying to be better than anybody, but it's it's just as good as anybody else who's doing it in any other material. So for me, it was definitely working with methods and materials and having to make sure that I don't 
compare myself to what other people consider what is quality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, here's a little PSA for anybody who likes gold. I'm going to ruin this for you. Oh, boy. <laughs> and I'm not going to feel bad about it. Uh-huh. So I live in California. Um, my husband and I took a trip to Gold Rush County country because mm-hmm. I was like, I want to learn about the history of the gold rush. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to give cliff notes about this. So mm-hmm. what I love is like, so there's like this one area in particular, I can't remember where in, in gold rush County it, country it is, but there's like a huge m- town. I think it's like where Sutter, like the Sutter, uh, it's the wine company. No, 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 no. Oh. Sutter was actually the person who built the first, Oh. Like mechanism that like mm-hmm. could like troll the water, right? To okay. Move things around and then like they mm-hmm. would shift through and find the mm-hmm. nuggets mm-hmm. of gold. Sutter was who did that. So mm-hmm. anyway, so and so he built this like kind of like compound. It was like a little town that people like would trade their wares while they're like shuffling for gold. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in this area, they now have erected a, a museum to talk about the legacy and the history of gold mining, right? And so you go in, it's kind of like this walking diorama. It's really beautiful. It's really cool. But like the very first mural diorama that they have, right? Because mm-hmm. they're like, we're going to set a tone because we want you all to understand this. And the tone is, please understand, I think the gold, like the actual gold rush was 40 years but there was only like a four year period that there was actually gold being found. Oh, wow. Within those four years, 300,000, 300,000 indigenous people died because mm. of the flux of white people coming in mm-hmm. to look for gold. 300,000 mm-hmm. in a four wow. year period. And then they were like, all because these people were looking for a stone or whatever metal, a metal mm-hmm. that's not even a precious metal, but it's only precious because man has said so. Mm-hmm. It has no inver- inherent value except mm-hmm. a man-made value. So mm-hmm. if you're one of those people who's like, I need gold. No, mm-hmm. the fuck you don't. Mm-hmm. And please think about the 300,000 indigenous people who mm-hmm. died for your gold desires. Mm-hmm. That's my PSA on gold. <laughs> she, she came hard, y'all. <laughs> to let y'all know she's on a um, a restrictive um, meal plan right now. <laughs> Got to tread lightly. <laughs> All so facts cold. are still true, but. <laughs> Maybe I could have worked on the delivery, but I wanted to come through. <laughs> wanted to come through very clear. Gold is a luxury item none of us need. So okay. that's my PSA. So okay. getting back to our topic at hand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so all, <laughs> all of Girl, what she said. That's my, pre- that's my present for you. Like, Thank you. Know, you. No, listen. I. Right. Yeah, I appreciate it. I I, I appreciate it. Um, it. It hit me a little, a little in between the eyes, but I, I see your heart. I know your heart was in there. Yeah, no. that out. to everything yes yes. there is that is the truth there was during the gold rush there was and and people you can go and you know educate on why this is so what happened that kind of thing Mm -hmm. but it is basically what i i feel angela's saying is one is don't let society tell you what is of value versus what isn't of value find the value yourself Mm -hmm. and what you think is value and Number two, I think the hard hitting point that she was coming with, the things that you hold very valuable might have been that at the cost of something that was even more valuable than that, which was someone's life. And so watch what you hold so highly. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I think you were saying. That's exactly what I was saying. I, said, I told you, I see your heart. <laughs> <laughs> what Monica said. Yeah. It was but- laced with a little bit of hunger, but... <laughs> 
okay. And listen, at, at the same time, there is nothing wrong with wearing gold. There's nothing wrong with wearing silver. There's people who wear it because they have um, allergies, skin yes. sensitivities. So yes. they can't wear anything but that. So this is not like guilting you out of that. It is the same way I think of it as when we talk about using sage and it becomes yeah. so popular and it's like, oh, you don't burn with sage. It's like, don't bring that tone to it. Don't bring the tone of like, it is a better than thing because there is a history that is not so pretty. So it's okay if you're using something according to your needs, because that's something that you, you have to do. But if it is your preference, don't make your preference as if it is better than someone else, because your preference might also be at the cost of a bad history. So know all of the things that go along with it. And that's the side that we're speaking on. We're not speaking on the people who are like, oh, I have skin sensitivities. No, for sure. Yeah. Don't go out here and be wearing stuff that breaks you out. But to the people I'm speaking, and I think Angela is also speaking to the people who really speak so like I, I I had one time um someone found out I was a jewelry designer and and this is the thing that I'm speaking on. And they were like, oh, so I can't wear, I only wear gold. Like I just, I only wear gold. And I'm just like, oh, okay. But the way that they did it is they made it seem like as if what I am doing and creating is less than because it's not gold. And exactly. that would be a you know, that would be like, okay, did you know that gold is also like, was like a lot of indigenous people died for gold and a lot of people, people die for everything. Everything that you were looking at as a luxury. And I'm speaking of like lux. I'm talking about diamonds. We've talked, we've talked about the blood diamonds before. Yes. We're talking diamonds. We're talking gold. The things that people really think are this great matte things that you're wearing haphazardly, but also you're judging other people for not doing it. Like we don't want everybody to do it. Do you know how many people would have to die for everybody to be able to have this luxury item? Like, no. So also don't, you know, we don't want to sit in judgment of anybody because right. you don't choose to at the same time. Right. And it's also the overindulgence, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's, the, it's the comparison of less than, of thinking because you like this certain thing, everything mm -hmm. uh, everything else is less than. That's the mm -hmm. first thing that we want to mm -hmm. dispel. And then the second is overindulgence, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think the reason I was like, God, why am I like so on one for this? And I think it's because I just got done watching um, the series on Netflix based on Michael Pollan's book, How to Change Your Mind. And it's all mm. about psychedelic drugs. Mm. But it, 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 it's so well done. It's a beautiful, beautiful series. Um, I'm going to go read the book now after watching the series. Mm -hmm. But it's like at every turn, there's only four episodes because he mm. only does like a really deep dive into like kind of like the four main psychedelics. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so he gets in like peyote, right? And he gets into, um, oh, there's another one that is is very indigenous based, right? Like mm -hmm. we would not have this drug for our use if it weren't for the indigenous people. Mm -hmm. And he goes through the history of how white people just destroyed indigenous people mm -hmm. with their laws against using natural plants and all of mm -hmm. these. I highly recommend watching it because mm -hmm. when I say we have done the indigenous people so dirty. Yeah. This 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 series like blows it wide open. Blows mm. it wide open. Um, mm -hmm. So so I'm on one for like I'm I'm standing for my indigenous mm -hmm. people, brother and mm -hmm. sister and community mm -hmm. because I mean we they mm, yeah. And then also knowledge is power. You know, just being able to know the history around things so that you are. Wearing things with purpose, but you're also purchasing with power and purpose Ooh, so yes. that you you know why you do the things you do and what's the history and the things behind certain things. And then you can make a, you know, you can make a, a, a judgment call for yourself. You know, you can be like, hey, look, I know the history. I just really prefer gold. And that's that's fine. That's totally fine. It's just like those are the things that you, you, you don't want to project. And for me, I'm coming from a place of where for a while that projection became a voice inside my head mm. where then I started trying to create and do things in materials that 
other people held highly. And I was just like, why am I spending all this money just to say that it is this when really I can do the exact same thing and something that doesn't cost me as much. So that means that my peace is not as much because I don't, I don't, I don't want to be a luxury brand. I don't, that's not where I'm trying to be. So it's not comfortable for me to be creating in that space as far as like just, you know, creating things in sterling silver and gold. It's hard to create the kind of designs that I create because you would have to use a lot of materials. Mm -hmm. So that means you're creating in a space where now your piece is like $400, $600, $1,000, and it's still going to have to be simplified because now you've got to watch how, what kind of stones are you putting on there? Now the stones then took it up to another light place. So I'm not trying to be in that market because that's not me. Mm -hmm. So it is just, that was just a place for me where I just had to really sit with it and be like, okay, what is your brand? Like, what is your niche? What is, what are the materials that you like to use? And I just love using what I think are non-traditional materials and making beautiful things out of those things. And for me, they're still just as valuable. They're still just as beautiful. They're still just as great. You know, for all I know, there might be a history on copper and there might be a history on bronze. But that's the reason why I got to make sure that I'm using materials that I see value in, because that means I'm honoring whatever is the present and past history of it versus it being a social status if mm. that makes sense oh yeah absolutely oh that that makes so much sense i was gonna say it so like in the writing world you cannot get published unless you compare yourself mm. it's one of the things i i least like about traditional publishing mm-hmm. and what i mean by that is that when when you're if you're some, if you're trying to query an agent, so you're when querying agent meaning like you know you're trying to put your best foot forward, your work forward, who you are as a writer forward to an mm-hmm. agent so that they will represent you, right? Mm-hmm. And you send a query letter which explains like who you are. It's like an introduction, like you know who you are as a person, who you are as a writer, but then also like you're submitting a story for their review. Mm-hmm. And in that pitch, in your pitch, the way that a pitch is designed, a formula is always, always, always to say that your story is a combination or similar to X and X. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that a, so that an agent or even an editor, like you, you write your pitch for editors so mm-hmm. that they can very quickly get into their head like, oh, so this is going to be like Hunger Games meets... The mm-hmm. made. I don't know. I'm mm-hmm. just putting some stuff out there so they can mm-hmm. understand, you know, genre really quickly. They can understand the premise of your story very quickly. But mm-hmm. as a writer, that really kind of messes with you. And I don't think we talk about that very much where it's like mm-hmm. where you're saying, like, you know, like, I think my story is this and this. And somebody has come back and is like, no, it's not. You mm. know? And you're like, oh, OK, <laughs> <laughs> not even close. And you're like, oh, right. OK, you know, and you put like all of your belief and your, you know, eggs in this like basket of like, this mm-hmm. is who you represent, you know, like, like, it's like Tony Morrison's blue aside. No, it's not like, and don't ever do that. Like if you are <laughs> upcoming, inspiring writer, do not ever compare your work to right. any of the greats. Right. You do have to compare, you, you do have to compare your work up front right away and you know and so then it starts this right away like at the beginning it starts like this validation cycle in your brain right Mm -hmm. of like always like always feeling like you have to compare your work to somebody else's right or you Mm -hmm. have to compare your um success to somebody else's right Mm -hmm. Um, because that's essentially what you're doing also it's not even to get just the the genre the premise of your story across to whoever agent publisher, but it's also to say, well, these books sold really well. So my books can sell really well. Right. Okay. And when you do that, it very, it really, really lowers the playing field of different types of stories. And, you know, and I've heard people say like, you know, wow, there's so many bad books out there because they're the same as everything else. Mm. Like there's no new stories. And I'm like, well, let me tell you why, <laughs> you know, mm. because publishing agencies, publishing houses are like, we're really looking for the sure thing, the sure bet. Mm-hmm. 
And it takes one brave soul to be like, I'm going to try this different thing, this different book. And we're going to put like children of blood and bone is a great example. Mm -hmm. right? It's not the first black science fiction fantasy book out there, Mm -hmm. but there had been such a drought of black science fiction and black fantasy books in the children's literature world, not Mm -hmm. adult world, but children's literature world Mm -hmm. that somebody was like, let's take a chance on this. And all of a sudden there was a boom. Right. But if that one person had not taken a chance on it because there was nothing else that she could compare it to, really, that was you mm-hmm. know black focused, mm-hmm. it probably would just be swimming around in a slush pile somewhere still, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I that's one of the downfalls of I'm just going to be honest, is one of the downfalls of writing that in, in publishing that I just really don't like, because, you know, part of also then comparing yourself to to other people it starts to form your brand. You know, Monica, you were talking about your brand, right? Mm -hmm. I've had a lot, when I was looking for agents, I had agents talk to me about like, what's your brand? And I'm like, I don't know. This is like my first book, you know? And I like all different kinds of genres of of books and writing and storytelling. I don't know if I want to be a science fiction writer. I don't Mm -hmm. know if I want to be a historical fiction writer. I don't know if I want to be contemporary, Mm -hmm. you know, romance writer, but I like all of those. And I have ideas for all of those stories. And I had one agent in particular tell me like, well, you're going to have a hard time getting published because people want you to continue to create the same kind of stories over and over and over again. Mm, mm-hmm. And I'm really hoping to squash that idea. Mm-hmm. Cause I just, I'm not, that's just not my, that's not yeah. my brand. Yeah. <laughs> my brand of like, mm-hmm. I just want to try some things that are interesting to me, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so the comparison game is really, so you even start out the gate comparing yourself right away as a writer to other writers and and you, and that really messes with you it really messes you with you it makes it hard for when you are hitting writer's block or you know in novels like when you're writing a novel they call like the middle the soggy middle because that's when things just start going off the rails and mm-hmm. nothing makes sense no matter like how tight your outline is and nothing's mm-hmm. going the way that you want it to and it's really hard not to be like well this isn't going to work because you know x y and z made their books work and it's it's in in and the other thing that really bothers me too is that people will say like you know read a lot which you should read a lot but what also ends up happening when people say read to learn the craft of writing they don't remind you or tell you that you're reading a book that has probably been revised 25 times. It's mm-hmm. been read by who knows how many people, right? It's mm-hmm. gone through an editorial process. So mm-hmm. the book that you're reading is the polished, finished thing. Mm-hmm. And that can be so demoralizing to read something knowing that it's gone through this process, but you're not even scratching the surface of that. Yeah. And so I really have had to learn not to, to really like separate myself from that that comparison game because otherwise I'd quit writing for sure. Yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, creatives definitely need that space to be able to have a beginning mm-hmm. and know that in that beginning it doesn't have to stay the same. But in that beginning, I can figure out what I'm going to do along the way and not be faulted for the fact that I don't know right now. <laughs> you right. know what I'm saying? Exactly. <laughs> We're figuring this out. You know? Yeah. Um, I was saying that um, there's a lot of things that um, when we were talking about methods, but in also the comparison of like trying to figure things out, like a lot of things that came to mind was like not only like my brand, but like how was like my pricing, um, my following, like it was just things you would look at. You're looking at someone like you say you're they're saying for you to look at a book and read somebody's book, but this thing has gone through this long process before it got to this place. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking at people like they're following and I'm like, oh my gosh, they, they've only been on here for like six months and they've got a thousand, you know, 10,000 followers. But it's like, I don't know what they did. They could have been buying their followers. You know, I have, they could have been building their um, following based off of just the social media trends and behind closed doors they're not really making any sales because their people just want to see them do the latest mm-hmm. TikTok, TikTok trend yeah you know yeah. and they're like oh I didn't even know you wrote books you know what I mean like <laughs> they could have easily been there they're just not interested in anything I feel like that's one of the lessons that I really learned by observing there was this um this uh, YouTube station and they don't they just dropped out of the blue when the pandemic happened but they used to do these reaction videos and they were all fine. All three of them were fine. 
And so watching them do these videos, their their take on it, their discussion on it was like great. They had like 20,000, 50,000 followers or whatever, but they also were musicians. So every now and then they would drop music and I actually bought one of their singles. But one day they they started getting really angry. They're like, okay, so you guys will watch us react to other people's music but you're not supporting our music. And I'm just in that, in that moment, I realized I'm like, because you built a following based off of reactions. You didn't build a following based off of people who enjoy your music. And that's how you can spend so much time building up something that doesn't work in your favor. And then on the other end, you might have somebody who, you know, you're looking at like, man, they're selling out. Like, they just they just told us they got a business and this just happened to me too. I saw somebody and I'm happy for them, but also I'm like, yeah, no, they sold out. And I'm like, but then I also remember this person literally, I can think four or five years ago, where it probably began, because I remember them starting to wear a certain thing. I started seeing them doing workouts. I started seeing them going and studying for this, that, and the other. I started seeing them going to these different classes. So now all of a sudden they've got this brand where they've got this clothing brand that came out and I'm like, and, but they built up this huge following along the way. And all of these contacts of people who were trainers and people who were um, stylists and people who worked out and that whole following is that to when they released their clothing brand, it's like selling out. And I'm just like, They took the time to build up community. You know what I mean? And then like I talked about like the quality of work, you know, as far as like materials, but like there's times when I'll look and I'll say, man, like when you're saying the finished product of a book and I'll look and I'll say, man, they are good. Like Mm -hmm. they are, they're really good. But you don't know if they've got people like they might have family members that's helping them take their there's orders and to ship them out and helping them like order their inventory and helping them like uh, uh, package up their products. So all they have to do is nothing but the designing and creating, or they might've been doing this for like 15 years and you just came on board two years ago. Like you don't know what their beginning process was and what it, you know, what it, what it started off by. And I had to get to a place where it's like, you know, like I said, we have to have a place where we can be able to make mistakes and be okay with that as we're searching for the answers, but also as we're getting better. It's like, cause we, you, you never really know when you're looking at people, you don't get like this complete, um, you don't get like this complete picture of anybody's process. So it's not fate. It's not really fair to base your reality basically on what, you know, their highlight reel. Like it's got to be where not only we are able to be patient and gentle with ourselves, but be able to be in an environment and be um, connected to people who are involved in our creative process, who are also patient and gentle with us as we figure it out. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I do. I do. I I just feel like uh, we just... Because I feel like you should be able to write every kind of book you want for you to be able to then be like, you know what? This one ain't it. You know, but (laughs) this one right here, you know what I mean? Like, Thank you, girl. Thank you. Me too. Me too. (laughs) They aren't all winners. I know that. They aren't all winners. But, (laughs) you know, that's where, yeah, we should be able... But but I think we should be able to, to explore and 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 try some new things um and i just feel like the society the way that we've built and based society just does not give us that ability to do it you know and like you Mm -hmm. said too like the biggest part is like making mistakes Mm -hmm. we do not live in a society where we can make a mistake Mm -hmm. or we can no we can make a mistake we just can't be forgiven right for the mistake no matter what Mm -hmm. we do and Mm -hmm. and that's what and that's where it gets really hard too to to want to try new things and do new things and explore new things because you've, it feels like you always got this like, you know, thing on your shoulder. That's just going to be like, Oh, what are they, what are the people going to think if you do that? I was like that when we first started the podcast, I was so mm-hmm. worried because I write children's books. Right. Mm-hmm, and like, and mm-hmm. People have this like perception of me and the, the end of the day, I'm like, I, you know, I'm glad we did this because it helped me to realize over the course of, seven seasons that- you've done good friend because it was <laughs> different in the beginning <laughs> but you know because but because that's the 
that's the society that we live in, right? Mm-hmm, that we, that, mm-hmm. like, it's like, you can't, like, if I were to say something, like, I say something off key that somebody doesn't like, mm-hmm. somehow that's my problem and not their problem, mm-hmm. right? Like, because at the end of the day, I'm still a person. I'm still a grown woman. Yeah. You know, I, you know, like, I, I, I love kids. I'm not, I'm not going to swear around your children or other children. Right. I don't swear around children. But right. when I'm around adults and I have a glass of wine, hell yeah, because guess what? This place is messed up, all right? right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this little marble that we're all sharing is messed right. up. So... <laughs> So I am not trying to Mary Poppins my way through it. Like it sucks. It Mm -hmm. sucks. So, Mm -hmm. um, and I just have to be okay with that. And I think that's, that's the growth that I've had over the last Mm -hmm. few years of just being okay with it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if somebody has a problem with it, that's exactly what it is. Your problem. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, the word, the one thing I do want to say that it is, I think that people should be very aware of. And I wonder, do you guys, if if you and you're in the literary world have to deal with that and that's dealing with people dictating what they think you should price your work at. Like, I don't know if you deal with that, whether it's with people who are going to buy the book or whether it is with publishers and you know, do they determine like how much the book mm-hmm. is going to be or when you, if you self-publish, like how do you determine that? But one of the things that I have noticed and, and is, and, and I know sometimes people are doing it kind of in jest, you know, but also there's a little bit of humor, a little bit of realism in it. And that is like when you tell somebody how much something is and they're like, do I get a little friends and family discount? And I'm like, girl, are you no. going to Macy's and asking for a discount? Like, are you going to Tiffany's and asking for a discount? Like they make bigger product profit than I do because they have a different accessibility to resources. They get um, like discount off of um, their merchandise that they're buying because, you know, they can buy it in bulk you know, they are able to save money on shipping and packaging and all of these different things that make their prices less than, or the biggest one, which is you'll do, and you'll be like, well, I saw a necklace that is similar to that. And they only charge da, 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 da. And I'm like, I can't, I can't kill myself trying to meet somebody else's prices. Cause for all I know, they might have a, a auntie who owns a bead store and they getting the bees at a at a steep discount. Mm-hmm. You know, they might know they got a hookup at the post office. Like you just don't know why people are discounted. And then some people are doing things for a hobby. Like they really don't care about how much profit they're doing because this is just like a little hobby for them. This is something that's fun for them. So they're not really looking at a profit. So they just want to do it. And so they price it at whatever. And some people are just not even knowledgeable. Yes. They don't know how to calculate business costs, shipping costs, packaging costs, materials costs. And then also I need you not to discount the fact of labor. Mm-hmm. Like there's some people who are buying, um, what do you call it? Buying their materials, buying their actual pieces pre-made from another country at like little or no cost. And all they're doing is putting it together. And you're comparing that to me doing this all on my own, creating it from scratch by hand and expecting the same thing. And I think that it's like, that is, and I think that everybody, I want to know why, how it, how it happens in your world, like how it shows up in your world. But I I know it shows up a lot in my world. And I, and I used to feel so guilty. Like I used to spend, spend so much time trying to figure out how can I get a cost down because somebody said they went to Etsy and they saw it X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, first of all, they ain't paying for a website. That website that you went, that you said was so easy to navigate. I created that website. I built it and I'm paying for it. That's why it's so easy. The person on Etsy, they don't have a website. You don't realize they're paying fees like crazy. And so more than likely, they are probably making little to no profit just because they don't believe that you will pay more. Go to them. I don't have that patience and I don't have that budget to be able to give you a discount just so you can buy something. But all I did was make two dollars like no. So I think a lot of people don't really think of what and I don't know how realistic it is to think that they should. But also be mindful, you know, be mm-hmm. be mindful. If you see something that you think is the same, go get it. Go, yeah. go get theirs. But don't don't try to swindle me. You know, <laughs> I, I, 
trying to swindle me out of, you know, some, you know, to give you a bargain or whatever. And you know that you wouldn't do this with any other company. Like, why would you do that with small businesses? I don't know why we have a habit of looking at small businesses and wanting to hook up. Mm-hmm. And the small businesses are the ones that are paying a steeper rate, a steeper cost in all of the production side and of their business. But you are more than willing to give an astronomical inflated cost to a brand or a big box company with no questions asked. It's like that mentality that is, for me, a frustration. And um, does that show up? And how does that show up with in the literary world? Mm. Well, I, I, um, it doesn't show up in traditional publishing because editor, like uh, publishing houses, there's just a set, a, a set cost depending on the amount of effort that went into the book. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. so they look at like we paid the advance, we paid the writer this advance, we paid the illustrator this advance. Mm-hmm. Here's our internal costs, you mm-hmm. know, as a calculation. So the book's mm-hmm. going to be this much, mm-hmm. you know. Self-publishing, I had, oof, you talk about a learning curve, girl, because mm-hmm. you're right. Because I, I went into it and not knowing, like, how to, to cost things I, and price mm-hmm. things. And mm-hmm. so it was a quick and it was like drinking water out of a fire hose, like trying to figure out, like, okay, mm-hmm. not just the printing costs, not just the the development costs, but then mm-hmm. my costs, the, the marketing costs, you know, mm-hmm. like, like learning, like how to set aside enough money to like get your books into award shows, you know, and mm-hmm. then like, not even like if there were entry fees, then you also have to calculate, well, how many books out of my inventory, which mm-hmm. also means coming out of my pocket, mm-hmm. do I have to send along with these award shows who want like 10 to 15 copies for every wow. judge on the panel, but, you know, but you mm-hmm. have to do it because that inspires validation in the minds of booksellers of, you know, uh, potential buyers, that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff. Right. So it's like part of that game. Mm -hmm. Um, but I was actually, when you were like listening to you talk and, um, what was coming up for me was actually my time being in, um, advertising and, and tech. And one of the things that we used to tell our clients is, um, look, this is how your project is going to go. There's three factors, time, money, and quality. You Mm -hmm. mess with one of those you mess with the other two. And that's mm-hmm. just the way that it is. If you don't want to spend a lot of money, you're not going to get good quality. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, and the time is just going to be what it is, right? Mm-hmm. If you want it fast, and then it's it's not going to be cheap and it's not going to be good, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was just like, here's the three. We mm-hmm. can't change it. We can't mm-hmm. change it. Um, if you want quality, it's going to take time. It's going to take money. There you go. Exactly. That's good. I got to remember that one. Remember it because, I mean, because then people, I mean, you can't fight with that. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like, it's just, mm-hmm. it's logic, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's part of the problem when you say like, you know, people don't understand that. I think most people, the average person has never done their own business. So mm-hmm. they don't think about those things. You know, they've mm-hmm. only been in a capitalist mentality of mm-hmm. buying you know, already produce things. So they don't think mm-hmm. about the resources. They don't think about the time, the the craftsmanship. They don't think because they don't, they've never had to, which I totally understand. I get that. That's not a judgment. It just, it is mm-hmm. what it is. And so I, I, you know, like, so it's, so that's where I think like we as um, entrepreneurs mm-hmm. have to do that education, you know? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and that's where I love like, you know, time, money and quality or time, money. Yeah. Time, money and quality. Cause you just can't, you can't argue it. <laughs> you yeah. know, and that's yeah. what it is. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, but, but self-publishing for sure, you do get a lot of that. Um, I think people have this idea because you did it on your own, therefore it was cheaper to do than it was mm-hmm. like for a, a, a publisher when it's actually mm-hmm. the complete opposite. Mm-hmm. As a self-publisher, you are fighting for resources. There's a pulp shortage right now. So a lot of publishers are pulling back on the number of books that they're acquiring. There's a what shortage? Pulp. So the paper, this is the second time in five years. I want to say that it's happened. People, Mm -hmm. again, people don't talk about it. They don't know Mm -hmm. that this is actually happening, Right. there's a paper shortage. So a lot of what I've been seeing is that a lot of publishers are, are buying things that are more sure bets. So that's where you're seeing more books from people like Gabrielle Union or Reese Witherspoon or, you know, like celebrities, there's a lot more celebrity uh, 
somebody who's publishing children's books right now, because when they've got the platform, they're a sure bet for publishers. And if there's these you know small resources, they're like, well, we're just going to mm. go with the sure bet. And, and that so then that also increases those resources exponentially for self-publishers, right? To like get it printed, to get paper, to get it shipped. All of those things are just inherently so much more money for a, a self-published author. Wow. That's what's really scary about some of the things that are happening right now where, you know, the Department of Justice is trying to stop and block the merger of Penguin Random House. I can't even remember um, is being bought by Simon Schuster. So right there, you've got five major publishing companies becoming one monopoly. Whoa. Yeah, it's a big deal. I mean, it's not just about books and publishing. It, it's a big deal across the board. It will set the, It could potentially set the stage on a lot of different industries, mm-hmm. retail industry, you know, because so, they're supposed to be blocking these things so there aren't monopolies. And if it goes through, that means like a Nestle could just snatch up so many brands that people... Wow. Have. And this is happening. It's already happening. But um, yeah, so... So I, you know, so I try to educate people on that piece of, you know, when you talk about self-publishing, it's not easier. I think people have this idea and I I know it's been perpetuated by traditional publishing that somehow self-publishing is easier, Mm -hmm. that anybody can just do whatever they want to. And that's Mm -hmm. really not, that's not the case. It's really not true because the cost of things is what is weeding people out from publishing their own, their own work. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Look, knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. No, seriously, because I feel like there are two different sides that our discussion can be looked at. On one side, it can be looked at from the public's point of view. Understand and know what goes behind what you're doing, what you're purchasing. And if you look at it like, say, like a home. You're coming from either living with your parents or you're coming from renting versus purchasing a home. When you're renting, there are things that are being taken care of. There are things you don't have to worry about. You can call X, Y, and Z, and they're going to come out and fix X, Y, and Z. Somebody's going to get groceries. You're not worrying about grocery calls. You're not worried about the light bill. If you're living with someone, if you're living in the, if you're renting, you're not worried, working, worrying about um, lawn maintenance. Now, when you get a house, you can't look at the people in the house from a rental perspective and be wondering, why did they, why the lawn not taken care of? Why it seems like something's always broke? Because owning the house and doing the house is a whole other ball game. Mm-hmm. You're the person that's got to do the lawn maintenance. Something break, you got to fix it. There's costs that come into t- property tax. It's like there's a whole slew of things that are going behind this infrastructure that you're just looking at and thinking, oh, well, I saw a house that just looked just like this. And why don't you do that? Well, look, inside this house, it's more to it than just what you're seeing from the outside. So I'm saying look at people's creative craft more as a house versus a rental property. Like mm-hmm. there's more going on behind the scenes and what they came up with was what they were able to do. And you can make an informed decision. Do I want to support or do I want to go somewhere else? And that's totally fine with you. But understand and respect that there is a process and everybody's process is not the same. And then from a creative's point of view, everybody's process is not the same. Like it is a dangerous game. You don't know what people are doing to get where they are and where they want to go and what they have consciously decided that they are okay with doing to get with what they are. And you don't know what kind of help they are getting to get where they are. And it is a dangerous game as a creative to compare yourself to someone and you do not know them and what they're and what they're doing. Mm hmm. Absolutely. You know, well, you said a really important word, and I think that's respect. And it feels mm-hmm. like people have lost a sense of respect of mm-hmm. when somebody's trying to do their own thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what what what's changed about that. We used to. There, it feels like it feels like maybe I'm just no. Kind of, you're like right. Romanticizing. Mm-mm. But it feels like there was a time when somebody was like, "I'm gonna go break out, you know, break out on my own and do my own thing," and we we're like. You go do that. Like, yes. Like, like, yes. Do it. it. Right. 
And you're doing you're, that. You're doing you're doing the damn thing. Like, yeah. you know. But it feels like now in just more recent times with enter anybody's like, you know, trying to do something like, oh, you got another side hustle. Oh, you're doing another grind. Oh, mm-hmm. you're like, okay, well, good luck, sis. You know, mm-hmm. like like you know, everybody else is doing that too. And there's just like and and that sense of respect of like somebody trying to manage their own life, do their own thing, see through their own inherent value through their creativity. It's just, it doesn't, it's not there anymore. It's just mm-hmm. not there anymore. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like, well, I could do that too. Yeah, but you're not. Right. <laughs> you know? Or right. If, I, if, if it were my business, I would mm-hmm. know that it's not. So, right. you know, like, right. show some respect. Mm-hmm. Just show some respect, mm-hmm. you know? So anyways. Well, this was good. I, I, I thought so like, too. I feel like it was cathartic for me. I feel I, like I get- I thought so too. I felt a release somewhere around that three hundred thousand. <laughs> I was like, she needed to release that. Y'all needed to know this history. <laughs> and I thank you for sharing it because I didn't know that either. Oh, I'll be sharing more. No, but now, yeah. now when I create something with gold, understand the name sacred. It really is owning up to that. Yes, hundred percent, hundred percent. Oh. So thank you, Fran. You're welcome, Fran. You're welcome. <laughs> thank you for my boost up too. I'm like, no, I'm doing pretty good. I can do, I can write what I want. You okay. sure can. <laughs> <laughs> and creative friends, but we hope you got something out of this too, whether it's a boost up or some knowledge or right. just some inspiration to continue on doing what you're doing. Cause mm-hmm. you know, we need it. The world mm-hmm. needs it, even though they don't know what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. They don't know what they're doing. <laughs> and that concludes this episode of living creatively with your host angela dalton and monica parks remember you can also connect with us on instagram at living creatively now living creatively podcast facebook page and on our website this is creatively.com to subscribe or to send us questions that you'd like us to answer advice you may need as a fellow creative i feel like i'm reading this for the first time i don't know well, you did say this is creatively i was like she forgot this is living creative oh, did I? Like, I was gonna let it rob but then i was like i can see her back in editing Monica, we're gonna have to reshoot because i forgot to say this part i'm like i'd be damned if i'm reshooting something so hey you need to say that again <laughs> It is what it is. <laughs> Thank y'all for joining us and being part of our Living Creatively community. Always remember to protect your heart, protect your mind, and protect your gift. Until next week. Bye.